Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. Up here we have Demaria. Everybody say hi, Demaria. Demaria is a teacher. She's local. She's got some family here today. And uh, she's a lot of things. She serves in our kids' ministry as a captain. And she was recently engaged to Josh, who also serves here at Kalos. And so we're so excited to hear from you. Up here, we have Jeffrey Butler. Everybody say hi, Jeffrey. Morehouse grad. <laughs> he told me uh, in first service that the, the team Butler was silent, but that was just a weird French joke. It's not true. It's not boule. But anyways, he's the captain of our uh, parking team. And so if you parked a car, thank Jeffrey. All right? <laughs> if you got in an accident, talk to Jeffrey. <laughs> so excited to hear from you, man of God. And uh, here we got Elizabeth, and I, I just realized I've been saying her last name wrong my whole life. And so it's weird to be on the other side of that because my full name is Pradeep Anjeev Manohar and Sivarednam. Usually I'm explaining it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Elizabeth on Ongning Motu. Okay, I got a gracious yes. <laughs> so anyways, her and her family have been coming to services, sitting together as a family, raising their kids in the house of the Lord. It's just been beautiful. And one of the reasons that we've been able to worship in this building now about six months is because her and her husband helped us like work out like the construction to get this thing up to code. And so like just us being in the room is a testament to your family being invested in this community of faith. So thank you so much and excited to hear what you have to say. We have Shannon Cora up here. Come on, somebody. And Shannon, also serving in the kids' ministry, is a captain of our, our special needs ministry. Near and dear to my heart, my son has special needs, and you've been his buddy for a long time. And the crazy thing is, join this church with Cordero here, and uh, two months after having their child, she began serving in the special needs ministry. And I was like, you got to be special to jump into that. <laughs> I mean, that, that's incredible. So thank you so much for blessing our family and just being a light in our community. And uh, also, hashtag, uh, what is it, Cakes by Cordero? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, go, go there and get, get some baked goods. They are good. <laughs> and up here we have Enoch. Everybody say hello. Enoch Chikaba. And uh, man, what a man of God. Also with your family, planted in the second row of the Lord right here. Faithful, consistent. Now, as I've gotten to know you, uh, you'll be like, hey, can I show you a trip from my, my work? I remember when we first met at, I think, our youth ministry launch. And you're like, let me show you a picture from my work trip. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to see. Okay, here we go. And he shows me a picture, and he's like sitting in the, the, the middle row center on stage at like the UN, surrounded by former and current prime ministers. I was like, is that Prime Minister Blair? Like, what? It was like, oh, oh yeah, Buddy Blair. That's, I was like, what is going on? I was like, 
I was like, all right, would you like some more Fritos, sir? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, sir, anyways, but you're, you're in these high positions, but you serve with such a humble heart, and we're honored to have you and hear you minister today. <laughs> so anyways, who's excited to hear from our five and five speakers? Well, Demario, you ready? All right, it's going to be good. Let's give it up for Demaria. Hi, everyone. My name is Demaria Funk, and I've been coming to Kalos for about a year and a half now. And what drew me to Kalos was the diversity of the church, but also how humble and kind the community is here. I've been volunteering the kids' ministry, mainly in the preschool room, um, and I was able to connect with so many wonderful, cool, and talented people who have a heart to serve Christ, who are working with young people to know the beauty of Jesus. And I promise I'm not just saying that because we are recruiting people, and I'm a captain, but if you want to, come talk to me after service if you're interested in serving. Go kids team. Um, I'm, I'm here to discuss how through this season of small groups, freedom small groups, I'm not the person who can claim that she has found freedom yet. But I'm working through feeling worthy of being free from shame, guilt, and anxiety. I'm a work in progress. I've grown up um, in the church my whole entire life, and it wasn't until I graduated college and, excuse me, and taught abroad in Dalian, China, that I had to work on demonstrating living out my faith. Through my first year away, I willingly made choices that took me further away from God's presence and took me to a place of guilt, which led me to shame in the decisions that I made in dating and how I spent my free time. And as I say this, I feel kind of uncomfortable because I know there are people out there who have gone through much more traumatic events in their lives. And this ties into uh, the previous message by Pastor Fredipin that talks about imposter syndrome, um, which leads to more guilt and yikes, that's just a very vicious cycle. Anyways, when I came back to the States before the pandemic, I began working through the shame and guilt that I felt, and I started to accept the mistakes of the past, but move forward, uh, believing that I'm loved by God who loved us first. I was what I deemed as a neutral baseline for goodness. Now I'm actively pursuing walking alongside God with him being a father and not a boss that I'm trying to impress. Sometimes life seems like a tightrope. I'm walking on with the balancing pole that is God helping me through. Right now, I'm in a great season of life. Uh, my family and friends are healthy. I love my job. I'm engaged to a wonderful man. And he is, woo! Um, and he's truly been the best gift of my life. But now I feel this need to bring in suffering so the good things in my life are not taken away. It feels as if there's this balance of goodness and hardships, and I want to earn the goodness to prevent any suffering. If you're in a freedom small group, you'll understand that I'm working in the tree of knowledge. I know that God calls us to obey, so will I have the obedience to truly lay down my life, lay down my future marriage for God? I have a friend and spiritual mentor who lost her partner um, when she was young, and I see her life now and all the steps of faith she has taken, and I wonder, why did God let him die and let my friend experience such a loss? Will this happen to me? God, if I can control my suffering now, will you allow me to hold on to the goodness that I'm experiencing in this season? The tree of knowledge tells me what a that I can work to gain God's favor, but the tree of life allows me to live in God's love. <coughs> Excuse me. When I was sharing my anxiety about this hypothetical thing of losing Josh, she asked me, okay, so let's say Josh does die, what would you do then? I said, well, I'd be really mad and sad at God. And then she said, and then what would you do? And I said, I'd probably make some pretty destructive choices. And then my friend said, even if you made some destructive choices, you did those things, God will still love you, he'll still pursue you, and he'll still want you to be in his presence. Isaiah 43.1 states, Do not be afraid, I will set you free. I will send for you by name, you belong to me. You will pass through deep water, but I'll be with you. You will pass through rivers, but their waters will not sweep over you. You will walk through fires, but you will not be burned. The flames will not harm you, I am Lord your God. 
I'm up here today to say that I'm a work in progress in living in freedom um, through freedom small groups, leaning into God's word, growing in friendships and relationships, and definitely therapy. I'm working on truly believing in God's favor for me and his love. My prayer encouragement for you is that you will also be able to grow and believe in the tree of life. Thank you. Hello, Kalos. My name is Jeffrey, and I want to talk about freedom from discouragement. I set on a journey to break generational curses and achieve a debt-free life. I'm grateful for the sacrifices my parents made to ensure their kids had a bright future. I took extreme measures to pay off $45,000 in student loan debt on my way to achieve financial freedom. I learned this would require self-discipline and sacrifice for a life-changing reward. I worked a full-time job while taking on a second part-time job on the weekends. 60-hour work weeks start to take its toll, but I kept reminding myself about financial freedom. Inadvertently, I noticed how money started to control me instead of using it as a means to an end. During many days of overtime and 4 a.m. bus rides, I kept telling myself that life would change after this. Reflecting on this period, I noticed my source of freedom shifted from the Lord to my finances. 13 months later, I achieved a debt-free life, but still had a sense of emptiness inside of me. Wow. It felt like the closer I got out of debt, the deeper I fell into depression. Wow. Even though I attended small groups, served on a parking team, and participated in Bible study, I knew there was something missing. We are called to make these initiatives a part of our lives. However, it's important to remember that God is after our hearts because we are his children. Wow. After achieving my goal, I felt more depressed than ever before. This situation reminds me about the story of the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, 13 through 35. Two disciples were heading back to Emmaus after the crucifixion and burial of Jesus. But they were discouraged because they thought that Jesus did not fulfill his promise, which was to redeem Israel from the Roman Empire. The disciples did not know the full story, which led them to draw conclusions that were not necessarily true. To correct their perspective, Jesus goes over the Old Testament, highlighting areas where he shows up. And I like this part because Jesus is talking about Jesus without a New Testament, even though Jesus is not born until the New Testament. I've read this verse as Jesus was right in front of us this whole time. The question is, are we looking for him even when we don't see him? The story goes on to show that their freedom from discouragement starts with a relationship in Jesus. When they approach Emmaus, Jesus acted as if he was going to go further. And if we pay attention to the word acted, Jesus always wants to abide in us, but will only do so if invited. What happened next determined if the disciples will be delivered or not. The disciples asked Jesus to come and stay in fellowship with them, which in turn, they re immediately recognized Jesus once they broke the bread during supper. I found it interesting that after this long seven-mile journey, you know, in the Middle East, you know, there's no shade, um, you're walking probably with sandals and barefoot, and that, you know, there's no shade and it's very hot, the disciples immediately ran back to Jerusalem after they recognized that it was Jesus to spread the good news. Have you ever received a phone call from a relative or a significant other right before you fell asleep? Somehow you find the strength to wake up and answer the phone. You kind of pull yourself together to endure the one-hour call at midnight because you have a relationship with that person. I know personally me, if it was someone I didn't recognize or was too tired, I would just let it go to, you know, do not disturb and then <laughs> call them back and say, oh, you know, I was asleep, sorry. When you spend time with him, he will reveal the entire story to you. In my road to Emmaus, I thought financial freedom would bring me peace. However, I did not know the full story. 
I like Dr. Tony Evans' quote on the story. He says, some of us think that Jesus is still dead because we don't see him alive in our circumstances. By leaning on my own abilities and not looking for Jesus, I finally knew what this felt like. Jesus didn't mind the pursuit for financial freedom. It's the way I approached the goal and not depending on the Lord for my deliverance. In closing, I surrendered my discouragement and depression to the Lord and let him abide in me. Immediately, I felt a weight lifted off my shoulders as I walked in his word. I found joy that I thought I could never get back. I look forward to growing with him and continue to spread the good news that Jesus is alive. I encourage you to reflect on the following questions. Are you letting Jesus live inside your heart and develop a relationship with you? Are, are there areas in your life where you want Jesus to reveal the full story? Thank you so much. Hello, my name is Elizabeth, um, and today I wanted to share with you guys um, about the freedom to ask questions. Um, I'm going to start with Proverbs 2. One through five. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. As a child, uh, my mom told me on numerous occasions that I asked too many questions. And it is something I don't think I've ever grown out of. Um, asking questions is an innate attribute of humans that oftentimes as we get older, it gets worn down. We don't use it as much. Um, and it just becomes something that um, we don't access anymore. Um, for anyone who has been on the other side of a child's endless why, you probably know it's really exhausting. Uh, but the power of curiosity is deeply rooted in connection. Um, even long before an infant can construct a sentence, they're asking questions. They look at the world around them. Um, they can look at their sister's face and ask, why does she look sad? Um, they look at a ball when they drop it and wonder, why does it fall? Um, when they are in the bath and they're putting their hands through the water, they're looking at their hands in amazement that it's passing through the water. They're trying to make connections with how the world works and also with people around them. Uh, I grew up going to church my whole life, and when I was 12, um, I gave my life to the Lord. Um, and in that first year, I felt like I asked a thousand questions. I was always asking people around me um, things about scripture, things about what, how life was supposed to look like. Um, and it was a year of really drawing close to God. Um, after that first year, um, you know, fast forward now 20 years plus later, um, and I feel like I've gone through so many seasons where I've been close to God in some seasons, sometimes not so close, sometimes he feels far. Um, after years of learning what people told me scripture meant or what the Bible said, um, I have to be honest, I stopped asking as many questions. Um, I don't know if it was a combination of maybe it was easier to just not ask and just accept this is what we're supposed to believe and this is what the scripture says. Um, or I think part of it might have been, I might have not been in a community that really encouraged it. They didn't say, like, ask deeper questions. It's okay to sit with no's or unknown answers. Um, I think probably the final thing is, like, I, it, I grew up in a culture, which probably a lot of people did, that um, the child's role was to obey and the, the adult's role was to instruct. So to go against maybe what was supposed to be the norm felt a little bit rebellious. Um, 
And the last six years, I've been homeschooling my kids, and it has been a, spent, uh, has been a time of relearning everything, um, from, from like the math that I forgot, to English, to um, history that was never taught. Um, it has been actually like a season of learning to love asking questions again. Um, and for me, history has been one of the subjects that I just feel like I fall, have fallen in love with, L learning um, from voices that were silenced when I was in school, um, learning from different sides. I love sharing with my kids that there's different sides to stories in history. You know, a lot of times we get one, but like there's so many different voices that we can learn from. Um, and that has like brought us to global history, different countries, the history of other parts of the world. Um, and in all of that excitement, I, I started asking myself, why don't I do the same with asking God questions about who he is? And even the context of the Bible, um, I think there's so much that I just accepted is this is just what it is. Um, and it's kind of taking me down this road of asking lots of questions. Um, in Jewish tradition, asking questions is seen as a religious duty. Rereading scripture, looking to ask questions, learning more about the cultural context of the Bible, about Jesus, his life, where he was from, has drawn me closer to God um, in a way that I've never experienced before. If you know the cycle of children asking questions, you know that questions only leads to more questions. And that has been, I mean, it's a sign of learning. So something to embrace when you don't have the answers and you have more now than you started with. Um, we live in a culture where we want to get answers right away, and that's me included. If I don't know something, I'm the first person to, in a conversation, stop and, and pull up my phone and Google to find the answer. Um, but in this journey, it has taught me it's okay to sit with unknowns. Um, we won't always know everything. You know, even with all of the cultural context and the understanding language, there's just unknown answers to certain things um, that I might not know in this lifetime. And sitting with that and being okay with that. Um, there's a scripture in um, Genesis 3 that I'll get into, but before we go there, it, it has said um, they can't totally estimate because the, in the Bible there was no punctuation, so asking questions to find them is just an estimate, that there's 3,300 questions. Um, in the Gospels alone, Jesus asked 307 different questions, and 183 were, questions were asked of him. Um, the first question that... God asks in the Bible is in Genesis, and it shows so much about his character. This is a story of where Adam and Eve has eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they hid themselves. Genesis 3, 8 through 9 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves for the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? This question that God asks of Adam and Eve, where are you, shows his position towards them, even in their disobedience. The Hebrew word, there's two different meanings of where, um, and as we can assume, God obviously knew where they were. It wasn't so much that he didn't know, but it was a question of um, they weren't where they were supposed to be. And in that, um, God's response to me blows me away when he asks this question. Um, he could have said all sorts of things. He could have responded in anger. He could have cast them out of the garden. He could have said anything, but he just asked simply, where are you? Um, in that question, it gave Adam and Eve a chance to reflect, to talk back, to share. Um, to me, it was a sign of compassion, a fatherly nature asking questions. Um, he made space for man to speak and for him to respond. 
There's so much in the Bible. This is obviously just the first chapter, and we only have five minutes, and I'm already over. Um, but I want to challenge you to embrace the freedom to ask God questions. Just like with our, all of our relationships, we enter in relationships in the beginning, and we have so many questions with our spouses, with our kids. And, and we don't stop. If we want healthy relationships, we all know we continue to ask our friends and our, our spouse, our partners questions. So um, I want to encourage you today that God, in his word and through the Holy Spirit, he has so much to speak to us um, if we just start asking. Hello, everyone. My name is Shannon Core, and I'm excited to share my five and five with you today. I'm married to the amazing Becker and Chef Cordero Core. <laughs> and um, together we have two kids, a beautiful nine-year-old bonus daughter, Chloe, that lives in Alabama, and also my nine-month-old son, CJ. Um, if you would have told me that almost two years ago to the day, um, I would go from just existing in the Deep South in Alabama to actually thriving in the PNW, I would flat out tell you you're a liar. Um, I have my issues with the area, mainly the solemn darkness that has taken over the skies right now. But um, I am very grateful that I decided to trade CJ's possible future with a mullet for that with a baby man bun. And also War Eagle. Today, I want to talk about freedom from yourself. I am currently going through a period of just letting go and letting God. So everything that I'm saying is really hitting home for me. And so as I'm speaking to you, I'm also speaking to myself now and for the future as I continue to go through this. Um, all the things that I believed were the right things for me to do, in the end, it just didn't give me the future that I wanted. Um, when I was doing things the right way, I didn't know this, but it was actually pulling me further from God rather than getting me closer to him. Um, we'll go into more of this later on as you talk to me and I talk to you guys of what I call the roller coaster of what in the world is God up there doing in my life. Uh, so... <laughs> Merriam-Webster defines freedom as the quality or the state of being exempt or released usually from something that's a burden. Dennis Kinlaw, a preacher and author said, do you know what a joy it is to realize that there are some things you do not have to do? Perhaps the most thrilling of those neglected freedoms is that of not having to have one's own way. God's plan for each of our lives never included us doing things our own way, yet here we all are. We each have our own struggles, desires, and ways that we have been conditioned to think. So how do we exactly have freedom in Christ? And that's by first realizing that we need freedom from ourselves. Even when we have all of the information and we weigh all of the options, there's still a really good chance we're going to just get it wrong. That's because even at the height of human consciousness, the height of our wisdom, we still don't add up to God. Also, 
our efforts leave out God's grace, mercy, favor, and the blessings that were not only promised to our ancestors, but to us and to our legacy as well. Surrendering ourselves and our actions to God is recognizing that his ways are above our ways. Whether or not we want to discuss our past and say what has or has not happened to protect the guilty and the innocent, when you are arrested, you are taken into captivity based on what you have been suspected of doing. But when you surrender, you make the decision that even if it's not what you want to do, it's actually the best thing for you to do. Even when Jesus knew that he was about to go to the cross to die for our sins, he recognized that he had a choice to make, even in his pain and suffering, and he chose to surrender. Yes. God already knows what you have done, and he's already forgiven you for it. Surrender to him is not an act of shame, pity, or doubt. It's a sign that we recognize that even with our mistakes, our disappointment, our hurt, our anger, and our confusion, that we still want his will to be done. And God always gives us a choice. He will never force us to do anything. It's this act of surrender that signifies us changing our minds about doing things our way so that we can learn and walk in the perfect will of God. Freedom in Christ isn't giving up on our hopes, dreams, and our goals. It's giving them all over to God so that he can make them come true. Thank you. Hello, Kellos. Uh, I am Enoch. I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing most people, Eric? I'm not Eric, I'm Enoch. So I have a wonderful privilege today to share with you on freedom from a poverty mindset. Let's define it. So Alan Ways uh, defines poverty mindset as thinking that leads to behaviors and beliefs that money shouldn't be spent, opportunities are limited, any risk at all is dangerous. Any success is temporary and non-replicable. And remaining in the back of the pack is safest. I know exactly what this means. When I think about poverty mindset, I don't imagine I relieve. Because I was born uh, in a family of 11, and we were extremely poor as we were growing up. You can see sitting under the tree, and we were stuck. We ate what we didn't want to eat. We dressed what we hated. And we felt like we didn't have a voice or choice or decision. We wallowed in pessimism and self-pity. And for the most part, I felt like I should have been born in a different, smaller, affluent family. And for the majority of the times, I wished I was born in a different country. That would give me different opportunities. But thanks be to God, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel, 
because through big sacrifice from my poor parents, I got into college to study agriculture economics. And while they in the second year, I got saved. And that was the beginning of this transformation, which is real. So, because I was saved, I started now to think differently and thinking from the tree of life. And then I went into understanding scriptures. You know, when you read scriptures with the spirit of God, the spirit turns scripture into picture. It will start to give you a different picture about yourself, about your future, about your family. And I got many pictures as I was doing that. One picture was on 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, if a man is in Christ, not the neighbor, that man is a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come, behold, everything has become new. So I start to have new thoughts, new futures in me. The second picture uh, came from Luke 4, 18 to 19. That Jesus Christ was anointed, ordained, the one who is qualified to come and do the job here on earth. The first group of people were to speak the good news to the poor. And they realized poor people need good news so that they can change the way they think. And I was, I was replacing poor with me and my family. And then, you know, the other picture came from what I call now the divine exchange. Second Corinthians 8, 9. It says, Jesus was rich, came to earth, and became poor. So that us who are poor can become rich. And I said, I love this divine exchange. <laughs> and then I also realized this is not just for me, but also in Acts 16, verse 31. Do you know the jailer, the story of a jailer? You know, when, uh, when Peter and John were arrested and so on, and then there was this jailer, and then, you know, after he saw the miracles, he said, what should I do? And then they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your family. They said, oh, I can extend this to my family too. Yeah. And that's exactly what has happened in my life. You know, fast forward, you are just coming back now from in August. It's my beautiful family. Our firstborn daughter was getting married. And all my 10 siblings came from all over the world. And we realized we are together here in understanding that mindset can be changed. My last word to you is that go all in. And what happened to me, God is an incredible sense of humor. What I grew up struggling with has become my vocation. I'm now, globally, I go about changing mindsets of leaders. God is good. Amen. Can we give it up for our five and five speakers? Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, 
I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.